Hey, Voices of a Killer fans, Toby here to talk about an exciting podcast that you might like. If our journey into the minds behind the bars has captivated you, then you'll find Prison Pod equally gripping. It's a podcast that delves deep into the lives affected by incarceration, offering firsthand stories from those on both sides of the cell. Available on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon, Prison Pod broadens the conversation around the impacts of jail and prison. Search for Prison Pod wherever you get your podcasts to listen to the real stories of those living a life defined by bars. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Before we begin this podcast... Please be advised that the following episode contains language that some listeners may find offensive and inappropriate. The opinions expressed by the host and guests are their own and do not reflect the views of the podcast producers. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from Lonzo Davis, an offender at the Jefferson City Correctional Center. I had to go to school because I got shot. What do you mean you got shot? I have a finger off on my left hand. How'd that happen? And he busted the door and he shot me with a 12 gauge and I was shooting back. I didn't hit him, but he hit me. Did you shoot him in the head? Did you shoot him in the chest? It was a soldier in, in war. You react. But the thing is, making the right decision. And my decision making that day wasn't good. This is bad and bad, but good man's get a situation too, you know. You are now listening to the podcast, Voices of a Killer. I'm bringing you the stories from the perspective of the people that have taken the life of another human and their current situation thereafter in prison. You will see that although these are the folks that we have been programmed to hate, they all have something in common. They are all humans like us that admit that they made a mistake. Will you forgive them or will you condemn them? They are currently serving time for their murders and they give us an inside glimpse of what took place when they killed and their feelings on the matter now. Here are the voices of those who have killed. 
this episode, we explore the life of Falonzo Davis from Kansas City, Kansas, a man who became entangled in a tragic incident involving his ex-wife's boyfriend, ultimately leading him to a life behind bars. Throughout the interview, we learn about Falonzo's turbulent upbringing and relationships that led up to the shooting that changed his life forever. Was this a crime of passion or was it simply a case of a father trying to protect his children? We will discover Falonzo's situation in prison and how despite the bleakness of the situation, he remains optimistic. His strength in his faith and how his upcoming parole hearing may lead to a life on the outside. Will you be convinced that he deserves a second chance? Join us as we talk to Falonzo Davis on this episode of Voices of a Killer. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from Falonzo Davis. An offender at the Jefferson City Correctional Center. This call is from a correctional facility and may be monitored and recorded. To accept charges, press 1. To review, thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. Salonzo, where are you from? I'm from Kansas City, Kansas. How was it growing up for you as a child? It was rough. Just single mom, you know what I'm saying? I've been in, in and out of group homes and foster homes and things. That's a lot of trouble coming up and being poor. I had a foster dad that came up and, and he died when I was like 17, came back to my real family and just trying to take care of my mother and stuff. My mother was mentally ill. I had to go through some stuff with her. Try to have my own family, and I've been a security guard for over 20 years. Where were and, you a security uh, guard at? It was different companies, Twin City Security, Unified Protection Services, and it was another private security guard company. It was years ago by this police officer guy, but I found out the hard way he didn't have a, a, a license to run his company, so I couldn't say his company name. I had to go to court because I got shot with his situation. What do you mean you got shot? I have a finger off on my left hand. How'd that happen? We was guarding a store, McDonald's, and these guys came in on me and the manager in Kansas City, Kansas, and he busted the door, and he shot me with a 12-gauge, and I was shooting back. I didn't hit him, but he hit me. Yeah, so you were basically guarding the store when it got robbed? Yeah, in Kansas City, Kansas. Yeah. So it looks like you were doing some good for the community at one time, being a security guard and, and getting rid of crime. Yeah. I was 42 when I came in this situation. My first wife, I had two daughters by her, and they grown now, whatever. They grown. And my second wife, I got five kids. I got three boys and two girls. And so, I worked for 42 years before I came in this situation. Uh, I'm in here because of my ex-wife, though, my second wife. Alonzo had a challenging upbringing, marked by growing up with a single mother, moving in and out of group homes and foster care, and facing the struggles of poverty. Despite these hardships, Falonzo eventually became a security guard, dedicating over two decades to safeguarding various locations in Kansas City, and even putting his body on the line to protect these establishments and losing a finger in the process. It's ironic that someone who once worked to protect the community now finds himself behind bars. But what led Falonzo from being a security guard to ending up in prison? Falonzo mentions trouble with his ex-wife, and I wanted to know more about the problems that led to his current status behind bars. Yeah, so that's what I read. Is that a dispute between your ex-wife and her new boyfriend? Yeah. How, how long were you with your ex-wife? 19 years. 19 years. Did you all have kids together? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a relationship with your kids still? Yeah, I call them every... Right now, this is my... Let me see, one of my sons, one of my daughters, 
And now my two other daughters by my first wife, I talk to them off and on, but I really don't talk to them. They didn't got their own lives. But it's your second wife that you had the dispute with the her boyfriend? Yeah, that was the second one, yeah. So I mean, you were with her for 19 years. Describe that relationship. Was it rough, turbulent? Was it smooth? It was rough because her family is more like, they're not church going and things. They like to party and things like that. And I was trying, when my kids start coming, I try to clean up my life. And so we was good for a long time. And then, and after, like I say, after a while, every time we came in Kansas, we was out of town. I was living in Wichita, and I was living in Lawrenceville, Georgia, in 2007. And my son, my oldest boy, he went to school with um, Trayvon Martin. But a yeah. boy got killed up there. And then still in 2007, we came back to Kansas City, Missouri, because my wife's mother passed away. And nobody wouldn't take care of her property, so I had to leave Georgia. And my son was on TV and stuff because him and Trayvon went to school together down in Georgia before he went to Florida and everything. And so anyway, when he came back down to Kansas and my ex-wife get around her sisters and her other family, her real family, she started changing. They all basically negative. So this is always trouble when she gets back around her real family. So we was getting divorced anyway, but you probably read that. They didn't say nothing about our marriage and our divorce. They just said boyfriend and girlfriend in there because they didn't bring up of us being married and other stuff. They tried to make it like we wasn't married when I went to trial and all this other stuff. Yeah. But uh, How did your, your wife, you were married to her at the time, and she met the victim, Stephen Jones. Is that correct? Yeah. How did she meet him? Yeah. I don't know. I was, like I said, she was living in the house with us. And like I said, we was getting the divorce and everything. And, I had a truck, and I had to put my truck in the shop, and I was a security guard, and I worked at night at CVS pharmacies and came home in the morning, and, and I don't know, I guess she was talking to him between that time or whatever, but she was still living in the house with me and the kids. But y'all had agreed on a divorce? Yeah, we agreed on a divorce. I had no problem. One of my daughters from my first marriage got raped in son of mine by my first wife's boyfriend, and he got 27 years over in Kansas City. Okay. And so I asked my second wife with me after that or whatever. I was real close to my kids and overprotected of them. So I asked my second wife, well, if we ever break up or whatever, let me know what type of man's around my children. That's all I asked. And next thing you know, she just basically disrespected that. And like I said, I didn't know who this guy was. Do you still have a relationship with your second wife that that was her boyfriend that got killed? I talked to her every once, blue moon, but I really, we really don't talk as much. Alonzo shares some intriguing details about his son's connection with Trayvon Martin, the unarmed African-American teenager who was fatally shot on February 26, 2012 in Sanford, Florida by George Zimmerman. Trayvon was just 17 years old at the time of his death, and the incident sparked nationwide outrage and protests highlighting issues of racial profiling and gun violence in the United States. Alonzo's family's relocation to Missouri brought unexpected challenges and his tumultuous relationship with his ex-wife the move and the difficulties he faced when his ex-wife's family influenced her negatively, adding to the complexity of their situation at home, ultimately led to their divorce. Lonzo was already fiercely protective of his children, especially after what happened to one of his daughters. This deeply traumatic event left a lasting impact on Falonzo, making him incredibly cautious about the people his children interacted with, and now, separated from his children, he made it clear to his second wife that he wanted to be informed about the type of men around his kids. Unfortunately, this plea for vigilance seemed to be disregarded. 
leading to unforeseen consequences and a tragic incident with his ex-wife's boyfriend. My oldest boy, he called me, and I was at a store, and he, he told me that this guy was in the car, and he asked him to get out the car, and, and he wouldn't get out the car. He told my oldest boy, FM and things, and so my son called me on my phone, letting me know what was going on. Did you already know about this guy? No, I ain't know nothing. I don't know nothing about him. Okay, so your son know. calls you, and, and what happens? He called me, and I go to the school to uh, see what was going on, which I shouldn't have went to the school. I should have called the police first and then went there. That was my mistake. But I went there. And the victim, Stephen Jones, is sitting in his car. You just walk up to him, and basically y'all start talking garbage to each other? Uh, he was sitting in my car, you know what I'm saying? The car lot man been knowing us for, me and my wife, for a long time, and we even bought other cars off the lot and everything. But no, I went up to the car. I ran up to the car because I don't even know if he was trying to drive away or whatever. When I opened are, the door. Are you yelling at him and stuff? No, I wasn't yelling at him when I opened the door. He started going over there towards the passenger side. Like he about to grab a gun on me. And I'm like, I've been shot before. And everything just went fast and everything or whatever. I wasn't mad. I wasn't upset about her because, see, I think I got police reports on my wife of calling the police on her because, see, I got guns in the house, and plus I'm a security guard, and plus the sheriff's guys, they know me from Raytown or whatever. So most of the time when I had to call the police with my wife, they say, her because police call us so we can get to her so she won't try and lie and say you pulled up with your gun on her or anything like that or whatever. So it wasn't no jealous thing. I didn't even know this guy, nothing. But so, only thing where he scared, we was fighting in the car a little bit. He went underneath the seat to the passenger side like he was grabbing a gun. I ended up shooting at him, started shooting at him or whatever. But I was on Triminol, and I was smoking some weed that day. You know. Did you see him actually grab a gun, or was he just reaching? He was reaching underneath there. He, had a, he ended up having some box cutters. Okay. So he had some box cutters on him, and that's what he had. But the police hid it in, in the evidence place up in uh and the police station in Raytown. So I stayed five years in prison, thinking he didn't have a weapon. But he did end up having a weapon because the autopsy place found that he had two box cutters on him, you know, and things. Because I, I don't hurt nobody, man. I've been up there just minding my business, taking care of my kids and things. I've been in stores with fights. But he didn't end up having a weapon, right? He only had the box cutters, not a gun? No, he just had the box cutters, but in a statement, in the police statement, the detectives asked my wife, did he have a gun? And he told my wife that he told her that he had a gun. And I don't know if he said that to her so she can tell me. I don't know. But in the statement, he said he had a gun. But he went on his seat on me, you know, saying that's why he ended up getting fired on. The victim in this case was Stephen L. Jones, the then boyfriend of Falonzo Davis's second wife. According to Falonzo, he didn't know Jones at all and didn't hold any personal animosity to him. Unfortunately for Jones, little did he know that his encounter with Falonzo would be his last. In the lead up to the tragic incident, Falonzo received a call from his oldest son informing him about a man sitting in a car with his ex-wife. Concerned, Falonzo rushed to the school where they were parked. Emotions escalated quickly as the situation unfolded. When Falonzo approached the car where Jones was sitting, he noticed him reaching under the passenger seat Leading to a tense altercation, feeling threatened and having been through previous confrontations, Falonzo made a fateful decision, resulting in shots being fired. The details surrounding the weapons used by the victim were unclear, leading to discrepancies in the police statements. 
This devastating encounter would have profound consequences on all involved parties. After the break, we delve into the events of the fatal encounter. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How close were you to him whenever you shot him? I was standing right outside the door when I opened the car door. Where did you point the gun? Where did you shoot him at? I don't remember where I was shooting. I just remember he was moving fast or whatever. So it ain't really too far from where you shoot him when you open a car door. Did you shoot him in the head? Did you shoot him in the chest? They said that I shot him in the head and in the chest. Yeah, I wasn't really focused on that because it was everything was just going really quick. It was really quick or whatever. Obviously, and, uh, when you shot those two shots, those are pretty much both two kill shots. Did he stop moving immediately? No, he didn't stop moving immediately. As a matter of fact, when I shot him a couple of times or whatever, and I went and talked to him, I was, when I was arguing with my wife, then I came back to the car because the car started rolling, and I went back over to the car. He's going back underneath the seat. Then I ended up shooting again. Where did you, you shoot know, him the last time? That made me, I, I, don't, I think I hit him in the side. Yeah, I think I hit him in the side, but then he went up and he, he was going, still going up underneath the seat. So I ended up shooting him again. And that's what made me look bad on camera of going back to the car. You know what I'm saying? But they didn't understand the car was rolling. I was trying to get knock it up and park. So, yeah, it was a messy situation. So the camera has you going up and basically getting a confrontation, shooting, and then you walk away and then you actually go back up again and shoot him again? Yeah, I think you should be able to see it. Yeah, I'll definitely look into it, but. For podcasts, yeah. you can't watch it. You can't? No, it'll be all well, audio. Yeah, when I had to go back to the car, and throw the, I was trying to throw the car up in park or whatever, and the guy, was, he was still there trying to move like he was trying to go for a gun and he's a seat. See, they try and make it like, I knew the guy, I'm a jealous person, and things like that or whatever, and I've never been that type of person like that because well, I'm not going to throw away my life over no one. When a person want to go their way, they go their way. Just like my first wife. We left each other, and that was that. When it's over, and I'm the type of person, I had my life the way I wanted. I was doing security, you know what I'm saying, working and just trying to take care of my kids or whatever. So he was really doing me a favor, taking her out of there. But the only problem I had with him is him acting like he's going to try and kill me. But my yeah. lawyer trying to make it like it's a crime of passion or something like that. And I said, well, wait a minute, a crime of passion? No, I said, this guy done this and I done this. Because it ain't no use to sit over here and I on the stand when you can just tell us the way it is, you know what I'm saying, or whatever. I ain't never been jealous over no woman. 
hard because if a person is not working with me, they're working against me. And my kids were still young, young at the time. Yeah, it was really bad and it's embarrassing, man. It's embarrassing and bad, but good man's get in situation too, you know. In a tense and rapidly unfolding sequence of events, Alonzo found himself face to face with Jones. The shots fired were fast and intense, and the situation was messy and tragic, leading to a blurred understanding of the events. According to court documents, there were some conflicting accounts of what really happened. The summary of the outcome of his trial states that Falonzo shot and killed Stephen L. Jones outside his son's school, Raytown Success Academy. The incident occurred after Falonzo allegedly received a text message indicating that Stephen was driving Falonzo's wife and children to school from his son. In response, Falonzo retrieved a gun from a local pawn shop and waited at his son's school. When Stephen arrived in a vehicle with Falonzo's wife and son as a passenger, a confrontation ensued, and Stephen attempted to flee but crashed into a parked vehicle. Falonzo argued with his wife until his son intervened, and then approached the Barrett car, opened the driver's door, and shot Stephen. After the shooting, Falonzo placed the gun and two clips on top of the car and waited for the police to arrive. This detail about Falonzo heading to the pawn shop to retrieve his gun and arriving before Jones and his ex-wife at the school gave the prosecution evidence for premeditation. In our interview, Falonzo admits that he had never been a jealous person. Despite the allegations and portrayals made against him during the legal proceedings, Falonzo vehemently denies any claims of a crime of passion or jealousy. I wanted to know what the courts thought of this and how did Falonzo intend to defend himself against the accusation of premeditated murder. After you shot him and, and obviously you killed him, or did you run or did you stick around? I stayed right there. I stayed right there. How long I'm was it? Run. How long was it till the police showed up? It wasn't too long. It wasn't too long. Especially it was just I hate where it happened and I hate it, period. You know what I'm saying? Because it's at my son's too. I didn't know that this guy was going to act like that or whatever, but I still made a wrong decision of going up there when I should have called the police. And because the police sergeant knew me, and he was like, he told me, he said, hey, you, you should have called me, and I would have put that man out of your car. And he's right. Now, I deserve time, but they gave me a life sentence. I didn't deserve no life sentence because in, in my trial, they, my own lawyer didn't let them know. It sounds like you made a crucial mistake of thinking that he's going to pull the gun whenever he just didn't yeah. have a gun. The thing is, I got uncles as police officers, man. And you make a move, and any police officer, if he, if he comes to the car or whatever, and I'm not just saying to be saying it. If somebody act like they're going to do something to you, obviously you're going to pull a gun on you or whatever, and you got guns. I'd, I'd have been in three gunfights, okay? And that's before I was a security guard, you know what I'm saying, or whatever. But the thing is, I was always on the right side of the law when I got into that situation. So when somebody's making a deadly move to do that, well, you just react. Just if it was a soldier in, in war, you react. But the thing is, making the right decision. And my decision making that day wasn't good because I could have called the police first and before I went up there. So that was my wrong. So I deserved some time, but I, didn't, I don't feel like I deserved a life sentence because it's a lot of men's in here in prison over a warming situation. And it's even good man that's in here. It's first time down. Ain't never been in trouble because of their wife or girlfriends or whatever. Here they are sitting in prison. And this guy is this people. Yeah, so Falonzo, after the police showed up, did they pretty much cuff you pretty quickly? Yeah, they cuffed me. Had you ever been out of jail since? Did you get bailed out or you been in there ever since? No, I've been in here ever since. 
After the fatal shooting at his son's school, Falonzo Davis made the difficult decision to remain at the scene, fully aware of the gravity of his actions. Regretful of not calling the police beforehand, he acknowledged the mistakes he made, believing that the situation warranted caution and a more measured response. But as they say, hindsight's 2020. Despite initially being charged with first-degree murder, the jury ultimately found Falonzo guilty of second-degree murder, highlighting the complexities of the legal proceedings. Alonzo expressed frustration with his trial, feeling that his own lawyer failed to adequately present his case and emphasize the circumstances surrounding the incident. I wanted to know exactly what these frustrations were and how he was coping with the sentence he received. You went to trial and you basically pleaded guilty to second-degree murder? No, they had me in first-degree murder. The prosecutor said me in first-degree murder. And since they couldn't prove that it was first-degree murder, the jury dropped me down to second-degree murder. But my lawyer had instructed the jury for it posted in self-defense, but she didn't do that because the prosecutor was trying to say that I premeditated to plan to go up there and kill the guy. And yeah. I'm like, no, nah, that didn't go like that because I'm a father. I've been with my kids for all these years, and they in the same household. And Annie tried to make it like she was moving out the house into a motel and all this other stuff. So and all that wasn't true. So being a security guard, does that kind of give you some trouble in prison? Most of the dudes from Kansas City, some people remember me. A lot of people re uh, remember me when I was on the street. And then plus, I know a lot of people that have been knowing me for years. No, if you treat people with respect, even when I was a security guard, I ain't never tried to be asshole to nobody, you know what I'm saying? I kept myself neutral because I got to walk around people too and, and got a family to take care of. So it's how you carry yourself. So I, I'm glad I carried myself in the right way. Those these guys that know me and shocked that I'm in here and uh, they basically watch out for me and we go to church together and things like that. How does that feel knowing that you're going to die in prison? I don't know if I'm going to die in prison. That's up to God because I got my parole here. I got a Pro hearing in 2030 and one in 2037. So you do have a chance of being out? Yeah, because it's uh, like with parole, not without. What are you looking forward to if you do get out on parole? One thing I'm looking forward to is just the, whatever time that God gave me on earth to try and teach, try and show somebody else or young dude or anybody not to get in this situation that I got in. Because one thing about me, I'm always trying to do better, even for my mistakes. That's what you do. You just to do better. You got to learn from your mistakes and try and teach somebody else not to come in this situation. I had two brothers. One of my brothers just got out of prison. I had a, an older brother. He got killed in '85. And both of them been back and forth to prison. You know? What's your take on prison? It's definitely not a place to be because it's just boring. It's just un uh, just an unfunchable place. It could be an unfunchable place for a person that got real long time. But if you, ain't, if you ain't got long time, you can learn and get on out. But when you got real long time, it can be very hurting. Do you think it creates more violence in people that serve time? It could, because it's like at the well, they ain't got nothing to lose. You can end up losing your mind because we see the same scenery every day. We don't eat good food. People that we know, our families end up dying. and People's families end up dying and you ain't nothing you can do about it. It's a very suffering thing because you feel the flesh and blood serving time. And the people that got life without, it's very bad because it's like there's no way out. Sooner or later, they lose their mind. I, I, probably, I got a life sentence. I'm almost, my, my mind is 
in and out. I'm not losing my mind, but it's a fight. You know what I'm saying? But the only thing that keeps me going that I do got a parole here in 2030 or 2037. Do you ever get in fights so, in there? Yes, I didn't been in some fights. I, just, I don't know if you ever heard of Crossroads Prison. They got shut down. Crossroads Prison. Yeah, they got shut down. It was a riot up in there. But you're going to have to fight up when you're up in here. Have you patched so, up with the gang? No. Only gang. All I do is go to church and I work in this uh, factory. Been working in this industry work for some years, making tags or sewing clothes. Sentenced to life in prison, Falonzo reflects on his journey behind bars, where his background as a security guard became both a source of recognition and challenges. Despite the bleakness of his situation, he remains optimistic, looking forward to his upcoming parole hearing as a potential opportunity for a second chance. This sense of hope seems to be a shared sentiment among prisoners as they cling to the possibility of redemption and a change to guide others away from similar paths. It makes you think, does someone like Falonzo deserve a second chance? Do we all deserve a second chance? No matter your response, it is clear that Falonzo's faith plays a pivotal role in sustaining him as he finds solace and purpose in his devotion to religion. After the break, we find out more about Falonzo's beliefs. Are you a Christian? Yes. What do you think is going to happen when you die? You think God will forgive you and send you to heaven? I, that's funny you said that because when I end up getting into it with this guy, and I, I remember when I was walking up to the car, when I was going up to the car, I remember looking over at my son for a split second, and my son was looking in the, looking up in the sky. And I looked at him, and I looked where he was looking at, and it was a clear day. It looked like it was a black cloud came out of the middle of nowhere. And I just glanced at it for a minute because he was looking at it. And then they see my situation and me and the guy get into it. But that question with the with God, hey, I hope God knows the truth. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and all I can do is just, if I'm telling you the truth here, you know what I'm saying? I can't cut behind nothing because you can't lie to God. He already knows. He already knows what's going to happen. And I've done a, uh, a lot of good on this earth because I didn't wake up in the morning to hurt nobody. I always guarded people and with my own life, you know what I mean, for years. When I did save two lives in my lifetime of living. I saved a little white girl, little white baby girl. She was stowed away in some bushes. Uh, these drug dealers, their mother, her mother and father was a drug dealer. Was not drug dealer, but they was on drugs. Okay. And they threw this baby, threw the baby in the bushes, and I ended up saving her by the luck of God. I ended up picking the child up out these glass and bushes and saved him and called the police. It was me and this old white lady, and I saved this. Dog, they got ran over twice in the middle of the street. And he ended up living. I picked them, blocked my truck in front of them so the traffic will run over. I know what type of man I am. You know what I'm saying? I'm not no crazy killer and things like that or whatever. But in the law, when you ain't got the money and this world is about almost coming down to money, they don't care about if you ain't got the money, you poor, we're going to railroad you because we can't. Yeah. So that's what they do. That's what. That's exactly what they do. And all I can do is, is hopefully I don't die in prison. But I think that's up to God. If I do, I ain't nothing I can do about it. But yeah. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get on out now. Yeah. Trying to tell the next man not to get in this situation. I know that. Reflecting on the events that led him to his current situation, Alonzo expresses hope that God will ultimately judge him based on the truth. He believes that he has done good in the world and shares instances where he saved lives and helped others. 
Despite the challenges he faces, he remains resolute in his desire to guide others away from similar paths and prevent them from experiencing the same hardships he endured. As I conclude this interview with Falonzo, I can't help but feel that our conversation served as a therapeutic outlet for him. Opening up about his life, his actions, and the impact his decisions seemed to be a cathartic experience for Falonzo. And in fact, that is part of the goal of this podcast that through sharing their stories, the ability to reflect on the past, recognizing their mistakes, and seeking redemption by speaking their truth, that perhaps these voices will make a positive impact on others and provide some relief for themselves. Signing off, I hope that Falonzo Davis' story serves as a reminder to us all about the power of redemption and the importance of compassion in our society. Falonzo, it sounds like you got yourself wrapped up in a an event to where a, you made a sudden decision that was just a, a poor decision, and now you're paying for it. So it's unfortunate. I appreciate you reaching out to me. I appreciate that, Toby. I appreciate you just listening to me because you know what? This sometimes this stuff lives on the man, and and it, and it's like a, a a soundtrack where you keep winding back the tape in your head, and this is the way it. it it kills you. Sometimes you got to get out and talk to somebody about it. I do know. So, actually, I mean, I've had other people tell me that it's it's good for them to open up and tell somebody the story and for somebody to listen and ask questions and help yeah, out with that. Yeah. Hey, well, I appreciate it, man. And uh, you take care of you. All right, Flonzo. See you. All right. All right. Bye-bye. on the next episode of Voices of a Killer. Most people don't know who they can just turn to to get somebody whacked. She had a guy that would almost do anything for her. He was head over heels for it. Do you have an idea who? I thought I had an idea, but they said he had an alibi. She was murdered in the morning. Uh, the time of death was never pinned down directly. How was she killed? How she was shot. I was crying, just crying, of course. I was just, just some of it I don't even remember because I just went crazy. They said I went crazy trying to get into the house. So I got, if I could go back and change everything, Toby, I would, man. It's just, I feel horrible. That's a wrap on this episode of Voices of a Killer. I want to thank Falonzo for sharing his story with us today. His ability to be open and honest is what makes this podcast so special. If you would like to listen to the raw recordings of these interviews, you can visit patreon.com slash voices of a killer. By becoming a patron, you can access not only this, but hours of bonus recordings, correspondence, and you can contribute to the way the show is produced. A big shout out to Sonic Futures, who handled the production, audio editing, music licensing, and promotion of this podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this one, make sure to visit our website at voicesofakiller.com. There you can find previous episodes, transcripts, and additional information about the podcast. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your feedback helps us improve and reach new listeners. Thank you for your support, and we can't wait to share more stories with you in the future. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Toby, and we'll see you next time on Voices of a Killer. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, listeners, Toby here. We have a special announcement just for you. Voices of a Killer is launching its very own Patreon page, an exclusive platform that allows you to dive even deeper into the darkest corners of these gripping tales. By becoming a patron, you'll gain access to a wealth of exciting bonus content and behind-the-scenes exclusives that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Picture this, at our lowest tier, you can have access to further content with exclusive letters, photos, and correspondence that have never been seen by the public before. At our producer tier, you will have the opportunity to engage with the team, participate in Q&A polls, and receive updates on upcoming episodes and developments. This tier is perfect for those who have a keen interest in the production process and want to be a part of shaping the show's future. You'll also have your name read at the end of our latest episodes. How cool. At the next tier, you'll have all this and the opportunity to join in our once-in-a-month video chat Q&A session with me, the host, and our production team, allowing you to engage directly with the creators and further satisfy your curiosity. And for our premium tier, you'll have all this and the ability to listen to exclusive unedited raw interviews to really hear the true voices of our podcast. So if you're ready to unlock a world of extra content, head over to patreon.com slash voices of a killer now and choose the tier that best suits your craving for true crime. Your support will not only fuel our passion for storytelling, but also enable us to bring you even more thrilling narratives and the voices that are waiting to be heard on Voices of a Killer.